Good morning. Grace and peace to you. <clears throat> Thank you for the songs. Thank you, Mike, for the prayer. What a week. Praising God. Bless the, the new little ones and their parents and their grandparents. Noah and Lucas. Uh, life given. Be with Courtney. And uh, life restored. I love what Fama said to me this morning. He's alive, and so is Eric. Eric's alive because of Jesus. I lay down my life. Ephesians 5, we're going to start there in a minute. We were studying in Bible class this morning, right, the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Jesus is what life is about. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit they shouldn't have eaten of, there was the promise made. Someone is coming, Satan, to bruise your head. And he came, as promised. And that promise is still for every one of us to seek peace, as was read uh, from Ephesians. Healing, forgiveness, reconciliation with God through Jesus. We can escape the snare and the power of the devil and have hope for the future. That's what life's about. And giving him the glory and, and living the, the way he wants us to live, as Mike prayed, uh, to do what's right in his eyes. Jesus' crucifixion and death are at the center of the gospel, as we know. And as such, it warrants our, our close attention and study. And I want to take a particular look at one aspect of that, we're told in Hebrews 7, he offered up himself. And there's a couple of aspects in this that I want to explore. And the first one, of course, has to do with, this is the, the language of sacrifice. The language of sacrifice. Uh, by offering up. We, we read that in different places, and especially in the Old Testament. Sacrifices were brought uh, to the altar, to the priest, to be offered up on behalf of the worshiper, on behalf of the sinner. Jesus, of course, offered himself up for us. But there's another aspect of that I want us to look at in regard to him laying down his life. Um, I've thought about it much, and we're going to present it to you this morning, and I would appreciate your thoughts about it. Anyway, let's start in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know, oftentimes we hear of the love of God in John 3.16, 
But here it specifically mentions the love of Christ as well for us. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you. So we understand that that was his motive as well. And it shouldn't surprise us, him being one of the Godhead. And uh, that all being planned from the very beginning because of uh, the love of God for humanity that he would come to rescue us from our sins and from the power of Satan. So love there is the motive. And it says he gave himself up for us. All right? So in the language here, we see a willingness, a voluntary action. He gave himself up for us. It was a type of gift. And that's what a lot of the sacrifices were, in fact, under the Old Testament. They were, they were gifts. They were free will offerings given to God, and, of course, uh, many of them used by the priesthood to sustain the, the priestly family. They were able to eat of the sacrifices as well. So he gave himself up for us willingly. And as it says then, an offering... Okay, an offering, when we offer something, that's a gift, isn't it? We offer something to someone, would you want this? Here it is, you can have this, please take this, you can have this, it's yours. And a sacrifice to God, he did sacrifice his life, he gave up his life. Uh, Whatever life he might have lived after that time, he gave that all up, didn't he? We read about... Some of that in regard in Isaiah 53, where it says, you know, he had no earthly offspring. The idea was he he just, his life was, was given up for us. And so it was a sacrifice that he made and a sacrifice uh, for our sins, a gift to God on our behalf. And then it says, as a fragrant aroma, and we see this mentioned at different times, even in the Old Testament, where that, that burning of the sacrifice, the smell of the, the meat, if you will, was a fragrant aroma. And God smelled it and appreciated it. Someone was willing to sacrifice one of their animals to him to give that freely and willingly. And so that is still, you know, the picture here, this language of sacrifice that Jesus gave himself up for us. Let's go to John 10. Under the law of Moses, the person making a sacrifice was to willingly bring that to the priest. Whether they were a sinner, they had committed some sin, whether they needed some kind of cleansing for some uncleanness that was found in them, uh, or it was a free will offering. They just wanted to offer something to God because they were so thankful to God for all the blessings or they were just rejoicing in God for all his goodness uh, that they were to bring that freely and willingly to God. And this is what Jesus did on our behalf. John 10, 11, I hear in the passage about being the good shepherd, and this is what you know, it gets me to thinking about some of these things when you start to reflect on Scripture and meditate. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
All right, we know that that was the way with shepherds in those days. The shepherd was close to their sheep when uh, the wolves would come around or the bear, and even David talks about protecting his flock. He was a shepherd. The shepherd would, would, would fight off the wild beasts in order to save the flock. He would endanger his own life in order to protect the flock, and we know that at times the shepherd would die protecting his flock. So he says here, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I, I lay it down. Again, that implies a willingness, doesn't it? I'm just laying it down. I'm giving it. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I think here in context he is talking indirectly about the current shepherds of Israel. That they were not really concerned about the people, about leading them in the ways of God. That they were only concerned about themselves and their own position. And in fact, if you want to go to Ezekiel 34 you will see the shepherds of Israel, even at that time, being really denounced by God because they were not doing their job. They were not protecting the sheep. They were not helping out the, the lame, as it says, and those who were wounded and binding them up. They were pushing aside, the picture was they were pushing aside the sheep when they came to eat so they could eat themselves. They really didn't care about the people. They only cared about their own position. And so Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, and I'm doing what a good shepherd needs to do. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love the thought there that he knows his sheep. We read in one place, and I think it's in Timothy, where it says God knows his own. You don't have to worry about that. He says, I know my sheep. I know each one of you. I know your weaknesses. I know your tendency to stray away. I know your tendency to do this. I know your strength, your weakness. I know how to protect you. I know how to shepherd you, to teach you to rescue you when you wander off. I know my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep, he says it again. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. Uh, amazing. God is amazing how that fits in with our scripture reading this morning about the uncircumcised and the circumcised and God bringing them both together in one in Christ Jesus in his body. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, other sheep, you know, he came, was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wasn't he, in particular. And so those are the ones he came to. But the other sheep here reference to the Gentile nations, okay? So he's going to bring them all together, as it says. They will become one flock in the kingdom, in the church, in the body of Christ, and one shepherd, Jesus. 
He will shepherd all of us, all people. Now verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. Now I think that's a clear reference to the crucifixion. That he's gonna, but still we see this willingness, this offering, this gift that he's giving. He says, I lay down my life. And he says, the Father loves me because of that. You see, he's doing this willingly. The, the Father, we're going to get to our last scripture today, talks about the outcome that the Father wants. But this is what the Father wants for the human race so that through Jesus we can have life. And he is doing this willingly. He's doing this willingly. This doesn't mean, you know, the, that the Father didn't, didn't love the son in, uh, in other ways, but because he's doing this willingly, you know, that the father is, is, is loving him to, to a different degree for a different reason because he's doing his will. I lay down my life so that I may take it again. A clear reference to the resurrection. He's doing this for the sheep. I lay down my life so I might take it again. Now verse 18. No one has taken it away from me or is taking it away from me or will take it away from me, depending on your translation. No one is taking it from me. That's not what's going to happen. That's not what is happening here. But I lay it down on my own initiative, this says, or accord for my, by my own will. Nobody is going to take my life from me. To me, that, that, that speaks deeper than, than just you know, reading it on the surface. They're not going to take my life. I am laying it down. I am giving it willingly, and I'm giving it freely. He says, I have authority to lay it down. Authority would come from God. I have authority to lay down my life, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. This is so he can accomplish the Father's will. I don't know what all the ramifications of all this is, and that's one reason I'm exploring it with you this morning, but I think there's something really deep here as we're going to look into our next few scriptures. As Jesus willingly is offering himself, giving himself up for us. And he's been given that command from the Father. You have authority to lay down your life, and you have authority to take it again. This is something you're doing freely on your own. <clears throat> I made this little note in here as I was reflecting on that. If this were not the case... Jesus would not be offering himself up. He would be, being, he would be murdered against his will. And that's not what happened. He gave himself freely. He offered himself up. With those thoughts, the next scriptures, I want to point out some events regarding or surrounding the crucifixion that talks or show how he gave himself up and he did it willingly. 
The first one is from Matthew 26. Verse 51. Let's just read this and then we'll talk about it. You've heard this before, but maybe you've never thought about it in this context. And behold, one of those who were with us is when Jesus was in the garden and they would, the mob was coming out to arrest him. One of those who were with Jesus reached and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, we know from in another gospel, this was Peter that did this, put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Okay. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must happen this way? So one of his disciples was trying to resist this arrest by force, and Jesus would have none of that. But then he says, you know, if I weren't allowing this to happen, if I didn't want this to happen, don't you think I could ask my father, appeal to my father, and he'll send enough angels to take care of this business? He was doing this willingly. The scripture had to be fulfilled. He says, I, I could do this if I wanted to. Don't you think I cannot appeal to my father and he'll send these angels? I was looking at this angel thing. Twelve legion, there were, according to... Uh, the commentator I read, 6,000 a legion, and I don't know if he's referring to a Roman legion, perhaps. So if there were 12 legions, that'd be about 72,000 angels. I think that'd be a little bit of overkill in the situation for that little mob. So it'd be not a problem at all, obviously. But the point is, he's not calling the angels. He says, I'm doing this. I'm going to do what the Father said. Let's go to John 19. Stay with me. Here Jesus is now before Pilate. They've been calling out for him to be crucified. He has, in fact, already been scourged. Uh, they put the crown of thorns on his head. John 19 and 7. The Jews answered him, We have a law. And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the Son of God. We know that Jesus said, I am. That God is my Father. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Now listen to this. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. You know, Pilate's 
You know, he's used to doing this. He's the governor. He's had many crucified. He says, I, I can let you go. You can be free from all this. And Jesus says, wait a minute. No, that, that's not really true. The only reason that I'm standing here before you and you're going to get to do what you want to do is because you've been given that authority from above. You're not taking my life. My father gave me a commandment, and I'm going to lay down my life. You're not taking my life. It's important for us to see this, that this is a willing offering and sacrifice by the Son of God because he loves us. I'm laying down my life. Let's go down in the same chapter to verse 28. You might have read this many times. I've read it many times. Jesus has been crucified. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty or I thirst. All things have been accomplished. Everything has been done that he needs to be done, that he needs to do. All right? Scripture has been fulfilled. He has offered himself up. He has given himself willingly. He is on the cross. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Everything has been accomplished. I have laid down my life as the Father has told me to do. And then what does it say? And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. No man took his life. He gave it up. He gave his spirit back to God. That just sends chills down my body. He willingly lets go of life. He had that command from the Father, didn't he? That's what we read in John 10. The Father gave me a command that I can lay down my life. I can do that. And I can take it up again. Let's go to Luke 23. Luke has a couple of thoughts there about the same situation. Luke 23, 46. Same time, same point of the crucifixion. Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew he was going to die right then. Here it is. Having said this, he breathed his last. That was it. Here, take my spirit. Everything was accomplished. No one took his life. He offered it up freely to God. Then Mark 15. 
This is interesting as well. Going back to old Pilate. Because as we said, you know, the Romans crucified on a regular basis. That's what they did to put to death those who were treasonous, murderers. And of course, it was used as a deterrent that you won't do what they did because it was a terrible and horrible death. Mark 15, 42. After he was crucified, it says, When evening had already come because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, and he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. We know that story. But now here's the thing. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time. It had only been about six hours. If you look at it, six hours, maybe seven or so. Crucified at nine in the morning and they wanted to get him off the cross before the sun set. Many people hung on the cross two, three, or four days. That was, could be that bad. So this is why Pilate says, is he dead already? This is a short time. And so what's he do? He summons a centurion. He questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. So you see this, the death of Jesus was out of the ordinary because he died before the usual expected time. He yielded up his spirit when he knew all had been fulfilled and everything had been accomplished. He gave his spirit back to God. And then down, uh, or back up in verse 39. Right at the death of Jesus. It says, when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last... He said, truly this man was the son of God. There was something different about how Jesus gave up his spirit, how he breathed his last. You know, it's centurion. He was a trained executioner. He had watched many men die. But there was something different here when Jesus yielded up his spirit and breathed his last. He gave up his life for us. John chapter 12 as we finish. Ponder those things. Read those scriptures. To me it gives a greater insight into the love of God. The offering. The willingly giving himself. Offering up his spirit. No man takes my life. I give it to God. Because that's his command. I can do that. Why does he do that? John chapter 12, 48, you know this. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings as one who judges him, the word I spoke, is what I will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. 
this needs to be emphasized more that Jesus was not down here on his own. That he was doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And that goes all the way to the cross. And he says, you, you can lay down your life. And you can take it again. But then 50, I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And that was, that was the commandment that Jesus had from the Father. This is what he wanted the outcome to be for Jesus being on the earth, that the human race could have eternal life. That's what I want this outcome to be. And so Jesus willingly, humbly, of his own accord, lays down his life, offers himself up to God so that we might live. And then, of course, he took his life back again. God raised him from the dead. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The gift of Jesus is just an amazing, incredible event in all of history to try to grasp that God would become flesh, become one of us, and then offer himself up, freely give himself up so that we might live. We try to fathom it, and we just can't. All we can do is read the scriptures and believe and have faith. If there's anyone this morning here who would like to respond to this, the gift of Jesus and his laying down his life for us, so that you might have life, you might be forgiven, you might become a child of God, you might have a future, then we can assist you with that. If you are a Christian, you may be struggling with your faith, things going on in your life that are troubling you, causing you to doubt God, causing you to want to walk away from God. We don't want that to happen. God doesn't want that to happen. And you don't want that to happen either. So if you need prayer this morning, we're here to help you. As we say so many times, it uh, doesn't have to be on Sunday morning. Anytime there is a need, anytime you feel moved, Anytime uh, you have a problem, call me or one of the elders or one of the deacons, and we will help you as best we can. If you want to respond this morning, please come while Brother Jim leads us.